Well, good afternoon to everyone. Great to see you here on this Carnival Sunday. Are you enjoying it? Yes, all the lovely food and uh, the bouncy castle. Although those, that combination is not the greatest, I wouldn't encourage you to go on the bouncy castle after you've eaten your food. But um, trust that you're enjoying yourselves and the music and entertainment. We've got a great night tonight, so I encourage as many of you as possible to come and join us for our concert this evening. Well, we're coming to the end of our series. How many of you enjoyed the series this month? To so say amen anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's the Word of God, so it's okay. But uh, we're looking today at the topic uh, of stepping into your promised land. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Joshua 3. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1. 17. You can always tell when most people are using their (laughs) technological devices instead of the Bibles. You can't hear the rustling of papers. Anyway, good. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. Verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the ark of of the covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive from you before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, and the Gergashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites, and all the rest of the ites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from every tribe. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, that the waters which come down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaraton. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm 
on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Hallelujah. So what's happening here, our topic today is, of course, stepping into your promised land. The people of Israel are ready to leave the wilderness and to claim their possession, the promised land. They've been in the wilderness for about 80 years. How many know that's a long time? That's kind of like a lifetime, isn't it? 80 years is a long time. But before we go there, we just need to kind of back up a little bit and go back to the very beginning and learn the journey that Israel took 80 years ago. Because 80 years ago, Israel had been miraculously delivered from Egypt. They had been crying out to God, and God had heard their cry, and He raises up a deliverer, Moses. And God, through a number of miraculous signs and wonders, He delivers Israel, and ultimately they're set free from captivity. And then they're looking forward to the promised land that God had promised. This was a guarantee from God. Now, after God had delivered them, Israel had been in the desert for more than more, around about 40 years. They had experienced many trials and various different troubles. But now they stood in what was the border of paradise for them. The promised land was within view. And the people of Israel are about to experience a new start, a new season, a new breakthrough, a new beginning. And they're about to to enter the land known as Canaan. And this was a land that was actually literally flowing with milk and honey. Sounds pretty great, doesn't it? It's kind of like your breakfast maybe in the morning. I don't know if you're you're used to. But anyway, this was a a land that had all the potential and the possibility that was far beyond anything that they'd ever experienced. So maybe you're here today. And maybe you're someone that's also been holding on to the promises of God. Maybe, I don't know what your background is, maybe you've been holding out for a long time for the promises of God to be performed in your life. And this is what we need to understand. That what God has promised, He always delivers. Amen. God is not just the promise maker, He's the promise keeper. Amen. So God instructs Moses in the following verses in Numbers... You don't have to go there now, but it's in chapter 13, verse 2. And it says, And now the word of the Lord comes to Moses, saying, Send out men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. So Moses does what the Lord says. As he was commanded, he sent 12 men from each tribe of Israel to scout out the land. Now this was as a land, like I said, flowing with milk and honey and sounds fantastic. And this was as close as it gets, I guess, to paradise. It was much different from what they had experienced. And see, this is really what reveals the heart of God, because God always wants to bless us. He always wants to bless us with the best of His creation. And so the children of Israel, God's people, were standing on the verge of the promised land. And I want you to try and imagine this story, what, everything that they've been through, and now the breakthrough that's about to come. It was a land of great blessing. All that they had ever hoped for was just over, just within view. And all they had to do was take possession of the land. And so the spies are sent out, but now watch what report they brought back. The scripture says that when they came back and they went to spy out the land, they said, yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a blessed land. It's fruitful. It's fantastic. But the people are strong. 
The cities are walled. There are giants in the land. In other words, the risks are too great. We can't do it. I don't know if you've ever hung around with people who always seem to have that kind of edge on them when you present an opportunity to them and they kind of say, you know, it's not probably that possible and they're pretty negative. You ever been around people like that before? Okay, maybe it's just me. Anyway, but there are sometimes people that respond in all kinds of different ways. And so they, they see, they acknowledge that the land was full of milk and honey. But there were warriors, there were giants, and these giants were about 10, 11 feet tall, so it's understandable why they were a bit frightened. But they said, the risks are too great. We can't do it. And the spies were afraid of the giants in the land. But see, the Lord had not instructed Moses to send out the spies just to check out how bad the enemies were. The reason he sent the spies out into Canaan was to try and figure out what was out there, because this was a land that he was actually commanding them to take possession of. Everybody with me? And so God's purpose was to to send them out, but the spies focused on the dangers. The spies focused on the perils instead of the promise. They focused on all the dangers and the peril instead of the promise. There were only two men who gave a good report on that day, who were sent out as spies, who said, it can be done. We can take this, this possession. Who do you think those two people were? Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. But what happened is that they got outvoted. They got overruled. Twelve spies were sent out. Ten said the land could not be possessed. I mean, that's quite a majority, isn't it? That's like 83%, something like that. The majority said there are giants in the land. We can't do it. The giants are too big. And so what they did is they picked up on their fear and they spoke themselves out of a miracle that God wanted to do in their life. Only Joshua and Caleb had no fear. They said, never mind the giants. It doesn't matter what's over there. God said that we can have that land so we can take possession of it. But the people wouldn't buy it. There were like so many of us perhaps today who, despite the evidence of what the Lord shows us, We back off because the future looks so unsafe. We don't like giants sometimes, but see, sometimes there's no provision without a problem first. How many know that? If you're going to hold back and wait until everything is kind of like smooth and it looks, you know, safe and all of that kind of thing, you're never going to get anywhere. As we see in this scriptures here, if you avoid giants because you're, you're afraid and if you want a giant-free life and you want a conflict-free life and a problem-free life, then you'll probably never go ahead to pursue your promised land. I want to call your attention to a, to a telling statement found in Numbers 13.33. Go with there quickly with me. Numbers 13.33. And this was a, a, a statement made by the fearful spies and... and And they said this, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. I mean, what a statement is that? We're in our own sight as grasshoppers. They had a, if you like, a very grasshopper mentality. They were full of doubt. They were full of fear, full of anxiety. We were grasshoppers in our own eyes. I wonder if that kind of reflects maybe a little bit about how we approach life today. 
grasshoppers. That means that they, that they perceive themselves as being little and puny as compared to the inhabitants of Canaan. They thought that the giants would just step on them and crush them. And it's kind of strange. I kind of was thinking about this. I was thinking, why would they call themselves grasshoppers? I mean, there's a lot of animals that they could use. Or, you know, why would they have to choose an insect? Um, I mean, I don't know much about insects or grasshoppers. But one thing I do know is that they can't run or fight. You know that? Grasshoppers can't run or fight. They have wings, but they can't fly. They might be able to be able to jump quite high. But then, of course, they come back down. And the Bible says actually about us that we have wings too. But we're to use those to, to mount on wings like eagles. But instead, sometimes we act like the grasshopper. To have a grasshopper mentality that's just kind of using every other excuse and bumping into all kinds of problems. And this is how we sometimes approach life. We approach every opportunity in the same way. We think we're going to get crushed or we're not going to make it. Sometimes when the, the tough gets going, if we're really honest, we start to think like the Israelites did, that we should just go back to where we came from. After all, you can either retreat from the promised land or you can pursue it. And so we forget sometimes of how bad it was back there. Numbers 16, 13. The Israelites said to Moses this, they said, Is it not enough that you have brought us up out of a land of milk and honey to have us die in the wilderness? I mean, this is crazy what they said because, I mean, this is milk and honey they're talking about. They were all mixed up. They're saying that the milk and honey was back in Egypt where they were enslaved. The milk and honey is in the promised land. It's not back in Egypt. What was life like back then? It was that they were, in, they were enslaved. The Hebrews, uh, if you look in, research it a little, bit, a little bit, they were eating things like garlic and leeks and onions, all the kind of stuff that I'm not really fond of myself. But they didn't have milk and honey. The milk and honey was in the promised land. And so all day long, they were making bricks, and, you know, out of clay and straw. In other words, slaves don't get milk and honey. Egypt was nowhere near a land of milk and honey. More like straw and garlic. And so the enemy tried to make them think that what was back there was better. That where they came from was better. And I think that sometimes as a prophetic picture like it is today, sometimes because of the place that we get to in our life, we try, we, we try to sometimes think back of what it was like a number of years ago and we think to ourselves, I'd rather go back there. And so the majority were ready to give up the land of promise rather than to claim their possession. They were prepared to give up everything that God had promised them for so long. Over the last month, um, our associate minister, Bruce Atkinson, has been sharing about the promises of God at the Sunday 7 p.m. So I encourage you to check those out. And what he's really saying is that uh, um, perhaps the majority of the body of Christ today is not actually walking in the promises of God are not actually living their lives, actually believing in the promise of God. Maybe that's a, uh, that what was happening in the Old Testament. It's a prophetic picture of today in the body of Christ. The 83% majority that don't live according to the promise. And so Scripture tells us that after their failure, the children of Israel, they had to wander another 40 years. How many know that's a long time? 40 years 
in the wilderness. 40 more years of inhaling the dust of the desert, or another 40 years of actually, you know, going through a lot of hardships. Why? Because they didn't pursue the promised land. Why? Because they didn't believe the Word of God. So many of that generation died off. They were buried in the desert. And right now, maybe for some of you here this afternoon, you may be at a place where you've come out of Egypt, as it were. By the blood of Jesus Christ, you're saved. But you find yourself in a wilderness place. In the middle of a wilderness, and it's hard. It's tough. And you've lost your fight. You've lost your determination because of all the battles that you've been through. And something within you says, I want to go back to what it was like back there. I never had these troubles before I got saved. And maybe you didn't. And the life, the Christian life, of course, is, a, is spiritual warfare. We have to get used to that. But some of us want to go back to what life was like back then instead of pursuing the promised land. I want to encourage you today. Don't go back to the place where you were. Because that place was destruction. That was bondage. That was death. God has a promised land for you. Amen. God has a promised land to bring you through to. He has a new season for you. He has a new refreshing for you. Maybe you're here and you say, but I've been in this place for far too long. But see, God has a promised land for every single person. How many believe that? God has a new season for every person. And so as we look at this, 40 years later, do you know who of those listed in Numbers 13, 14? How many of those went into the land of promise from 40 years ago? How many do you think it was? Two people. There are only two people, Joshua and Caleb. Why? They believe the Word of God. Thank God for people like Joshua and Caleb who don't give up on the promises of God. Thank God for people today in the body of Christ who do not give up on the promises of God over their life and over the church. Amen. Thank God for people in Kensington Temple that are holding on to the prophetic word over this house that God's going to pour out His Spirit in abundant measure. Amen? God is looking for people like that. And so Joshua and Caleb, they were the ones that, you know, looked at adversity and the trouble in their faith, and they said, that promise is ours. That promise that God has given belongs to us. I'm sure there was something in them that said, you know, we didn't get it 40 years ago. We lost out 40 years ago. There's no way we're going to lose out now. They didn't give up on the promise of God. And here's how Scripture describes Caleb. There's a Scripture in Numbers 14.24, if you want to jot it down, about Caleb. It says, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Isn't that wonderful Scripture? about Caleb, who had a different kind of spirit. What kind of spirit is that? That is a right spirit. A spirit that's a kind of go-getter spirit that doesn't give up on the promises of God. Amen. Thank God for those who refuse to give up the land of promise. Now, 40 years later, God is ready now to start with a new people, with a new kind of spirit, a right spirit. Moses had died, and now Joshua is the new leader of the Israelite people. Do you know what Joshua means? Joshua means Jesus. It means Savior. What does that mean? 
that the Christ, that the Savior who delivered you, who saved you, is the one that can bring you into your promised land. And so God has chosen Joshua. That means that that God says you're going to cross over into Jordan. It's your time, Joshua. You've waited long enough. You've waited another 40 years. And so Canaan represents the promised land. It represents freedom and victory and all the wonderful things of God's abundant supply. It it represents a picture of the, the victorious Christian life. But in their way, as we've just read in the scripture, is the Jordan River. And don't forget, there's about a half a million Israelites that now Joshua is in charge of. I mean, it's a lot of people, isn't it? A half a million people are now at the border of of the Jordan. And God tells them that they're going to cross over the river, which looks impossible. Have you ever faced an impossible situation before? How many of you are facing impossible situations right now? Where in the natural, it looks impossible. Financially, it looks impossible. In your family, it looks impossible. You're going through real difficulty. You're wrestling with the promises of God. But Canaan represents the land of abundance, victory, and freedom. Some of us have rivers that seem to be uncrossable. Some of us seem to have mountains that we just simply can't seem to to get to tunnel through. Someone said this. They said, our impossibilities become God's opportunities. And today we have all kinds of rivers in our way. There are all kinds of different things that each of us will struggle with. But those rivers do not have to be rivers that stop us pursuing our land of opportunity. God has more for us. And your river today, it may may be many things. It may be doubt. It may be uh, discouragement. It may be fear. It may even be distraction. Yet God commands you to cross over that river. Amen. In Joshua 1.3, God said to Joshua, as a famous verse, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you. God also told Joshua to be strong and courageous. Why? Well, he's just taken leadership of about half a million people. I would say that's quite a high-pressure job. And so Joshua, you know, he was someone who served under Moses for, for, for a long time, 40 years as his associate. But now Moses was gone. So Joshua had no choice but to become strong and courageous. And so Joshua, once he got this command of the Lord that you're going to go and pursue the promised land, I don't think he was going to, you know, you know, get a load of people together and do a vote on it. I think he knew the promise of the Lord, and he, he determined something within himself that we are going to pursue that as, a, as an army. He knew what God's promise was. Now was the time. See, although God's people were not there yet, the land was theirs. That's something we need to understand there. Although they were not there yet, the land was theirs. You might say, well, actually, yeah, but the Scripture says that the the, the land belonged to the Amalekites, Hittites, and Jebusites, and all the rest of the ites. Well, these guys, these warring nations were only occupying the land. Actually, the land belonged to Israel. God wanted to give that land to Israel. It's like us today. There are promises that God has in store for your life that we haven't tapped into yet. There are opportunities, there are jobs, there are all kinds of different things that God wants us to tap into. And so here they are, right in front of Joshua and Israel, there was the Jordan River. And the Bible says that it was flowing to its bank. In other words, it was at flood stage. And so it was dangerous, there was a current, you know, anybody that went in there was likely to drown. And so this was a very terrifying situation that they're in. But this is what I love about Joshua, what he does. 
the first thing that he does is he focuses the attention of the Israelites on the Ark of the Covenant. What is the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant was symbolic of the, the presence and the glory of God that went around with the Israelites. And so this is what he does. This is the first thing that he does. He told the, the people to focus on the presence of the Lord. Because the presence of the Lord is what's going to lead us into our Canaan, into the promised land. Amen? And there's a learning step for us. For those who are still waiting for a promise to be revealed in our lives, there's a, there's a truth here that we need to take on board, is that to pursue the presence of the Lord with all of your heart. Always cherish the presence of the Lord more than anything else in your life. Go after it. Treasure it. Because when you have his presence, you have everything else with him. There's a load of, there's about 600 plus promises in the Bible, but many of them could be summed up into one promise, and that's the promise of his presence. How many want the promise of his presence? So the day for stepping out arrives. This is it. Israel takes down their tents, and uh, the Levit Levitical workers take down the tabernacle. The priests are stepping forward with the, sh the, the tabernacle on the shoulders, the Ark of the Covenant. The shofar is sounding. The, the, the guys are getting ready. The half a million people are about to move out to step forward. All the animals with them. It's probably quite a sight. But the river was overflowing its banks. In other words, it was an impossible situation for a half a million people to step over a flooded river. I mean, try to imagine what it would have been like for the priests who were actually carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Can you imagine how freaked out they would have been? You know, they're actually approaching this river, you know, probably trying as hard as they can to believe God's promise. And as they're drawing near to this flood, they can see there's no bridges to cross and it's really dangerous. There's no way to cross. But according to the Bible, the scripture says this, it wasn't until their feet touched the water's edge that the Lord stopped the flow. And they crossed over to the other side. What does that teach us? When God sees our commitment and our willingness to step out, then he performs his miracles. Amen? When God sees our willingness to step out, no matter what it is, he performs his miracles. He partners with us. I'm going to ask Peter Keyspray to come forward. That would be great. I want to ask you a question today. Where are you in this whole journey? What's step, stopping you from stepping out? What's holding you back from perhaps giving your life to Jesus with all of your heart? What's causing you all the delay? Is it fear? Is it things that you've experienced in the past, disappointments and hurts? What's stopping you from getting involved in ministry? What's stopping you in getting involved in the vision of the place, of KT? You may have all kinds of, of promises over your life, but unless you step out, you'll never go anywhere. Israel had all the promises of God of what he would do, but nothing would ever change until they stepped out and they were actually ready to actually to be afraid to get, not be afraid to get their feet wet. The Lord is looking for opportunities in your life, individually, in your family. He's looking for opportunities to show himself strong in your life. And so this whole journey, it marked the beginning of a new life, waiting for everyone who would dare to cross this, this river. And so it was a new day for Israel. 
This was a new beginning. This was a new time of breakthrough. And you can just imagine, in fact, Joshua 5, jot it down if you want, but we don't, you don't have to go there. But it talks about in Joshua 5, 1 to 10, where Joshua and the Israelites had crossed the Jordan River. Now they're on a roll. There's excitement. There's anticipation in the air. There's expectancy. They're about to, to pursue the promised land and take over all the enemies. They're about to do what God had promised for 80 years. And the enemies are aware that God is with Israel. Of course, they know of, of course what had happened with the Jordan River. They know that God is with them. They're probably freaking out themselves. And, and so God is with them in this expectancy and there's so much excitement that, one, that, that it's finally, the day has finally come. They can see the promised land. They're about to take over. But this is what I want you to get today. And all of a sudden, God speaks a word. And he says to Joshua, circumcise all the men. <laughs> we're not talking boys, we're talking men. Every man goes, ouch. Why would God say something like this? As soon as they've actually crossed over into the promised land. Circumcision in the Bible represents the cross. The Bible says that after the whole nation was circumcised, they remained in camp until they were healed. And the Lord says to Joshua, He says, and God says, you know, today I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. In other words, friends, God has to remove Egypt from our hearts and it's called the flesh. There's a well-known saying that people quote that it took God... 40 years to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took him another 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites. If you're going to take the promised land, you have to get rid of all the flesh. You can't take the flesh with you into the promised land. You can't take the wrong spirit or the wrong attitudes with you into the promised land. You can't go into the promised land until that flesh is crucified. But the wonderful truth is, is that that's when God comes. Before this generation of men could claim their Canaan, they had to renew the covenant with the Lord. If they wanted the blessings, if they wanted the victory, they had to renew a covenant with God again. But watch this. Then Joshua then asked the Lord afterwards, he says, But are you for us or for our enemies? God says, neither, I've come, I've come as the commander-in-chief of the army of the Lord. And God says, take off your sandals, Joshua, for the place where you stand is holy. Why would God ask him to take off his shoes? Maybe, perhaps, our shoes represent where we are going. As long as we're wearing our shoes, we can't see where God is going. What he wants. Shoe can represent, you know, uh, what we think, our way, our direction. When we take off our shoes, every one of us is on level ground at the foot of the cross. And the truth is today that God wants all of us to step into victorious living. Amen. He wants to take us into a victorious Christian life. But the holy ground was the stepping stone to taking the promised land. And that promised land could be many different things. It represents maybe 
promises and inheritance, fruitfulness, breakthrough, destiny. Represents souls and a, a great harvest of what God wants to do. Represents new life. I wonder if you would stand with me. Some of you may be asking yourself, what relevance does this message have to do with me? Some of you need to step out from the old and into the new. Some of you need to step out of hopelessness back into hope. Some of you need to step out from fear into faith. Some of you need to to, to leave behind the wrong attitudes in the flesh and to embrace a right spirit and a right attitude. Amen. God wants us to leave behind the things that are a distraction that have held you back. He wants to lead you into a promised land. And that represents freedom. How many want freedom? It represents victory, abundance. Some of you may be here today and you've, this may be very new to you. You've never maybe even heard the gospel before. Maybe you've never, not really don't know much about Christianity. You don't know who Jesus is. The Bible says that Jesus came and he came to seek and save the lost. That means he came to seek and save you. He saw you in your pit, that pit of sin away from God and he came to earth and he went to the cross to pay the penalties for your sin and on the third day Jesus rose from the grave amen and now he's seated at the right hand of the father making intercession for his people Jesus would say to you today I gave up my reputation for you I'm asking you to give up your life for me. Give up your reputation. Hand it all over. Follow me with all of your heart. That applies to many of us here as well. God wants to forsake the flesh to embrace the Spirit. The Holy Spirit life. So if you are here today and you, you've never prayed that sinners pray, you've never Ask Jesus to come into your life. I want to encourage you now if we can all do this together. I want you to pray after me today. And ask Jesus to come into your heart. Say after me, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you went to the cross. You paid the punishment for my sins. Today I believe you died and you rose again. I ask you to forgive me. Wash me of all my sin. I give my life to you forever. In your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for your first time today, why don't you just as an indication, just put your hand up right now. If that's the first time you've ever prayed that prayer, just put your hand up right now. Go ahead. Well done. Keep your hand lifted, if you will. That's the first time you've ever prayed the sinner's prayer. Put your hand up in this place today. 
consolidators, if you will come and, and help and just identify who those have put their hand up. For others who are here today, many who may be broken, who are struggling, or hurt, disappointed, the promised land has felt so far away. Today is a new start for you. It's a new day for you. It's a day to start thinking differently. See, the thing about a new season is you have to start thinking differently. It's like when you look at all the retail outlets, you know, where they have to get rid of all the old clothes and bring in all the new stuff. You have to start thinking differently. It's a new season. You start to have to believe in God for the things that you haven't been believing Him for. And so, Father, I pray for, for those here today. I ask for the breaking in of your light, the breaking in of your power, your strength where there is weariness, your refreshing, Lord, where there is drought. For your people, Father, I ask you today in Jesus' name that you would do this. And everyone said, Amen. 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 And for those who responded to, to, for the first time to, to Jesus today, the consolidators are here to just help talk through a few things with you, to give you some resources, uh, to tell you about what your decision means and, and how you can get a hold of a Bible and start to grow in your relationship with God. I encourage you to find a church. If you're in London, you're very welcome here to come to KT and to grow in your relationship, new relationship with, with Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Well, Everybody's been great to, to be together. Enjoy the rest of your, your day here at Carnival. And um, bless the Lord and may the Lord be with you. May He protect you. May His hand be upon you. Amen. Every blessing. God bless you.